Hey, man, what's going on? Oh, hey, Steve, is your shift over? Yeah, oh, God, another long day working security. Yeah, okay, a lot of sitting around not doing much anything. Yeah, it's office job. Yes, it was office duty today, so I just had to sit there. They give you, I I have like a little spinny chair, you know, so I can spin around in the chair. That's Mm -hmm. fun. That's great. Um, Anyway, you ready to record another episode of the Instance Log? I yeah, absolutely. I thought that's what we were doing. Absolutely, let's get this show on the road. Okay, just I wanted to show you something that I found that was weird in the computer database. Oh, okay. What'd you find? Look at this. Look at this. What is that? It says it's called Star Trek. <laughs> that's a weird name for something. Yeah, What's but it check a... it out. That okay. looks like the Enterprise. Whoa, but that different. is the. That's the that's the Enterprise, but I mean, it's, it's different. Not a, Look, it's not exactly the Enterprise, but it's yeah the same. The, the naysayers are all the they're all wrong. They're a little swollen, a little yeah. But I was looking into it, and it's like, look, check this out. That's supposed to be Captain Kirk. Oh, Captain Kirk wasn't nearly that hot. No, not not that's, nearly. And look at Spock. That's oh, oh whoa! Why is he so smooth? I don't know. Look at Uhura. <laughs> don't give me what. She looks. She's very attractive. She's very attractive. Uh huh. Check this out. Here's Sulu fighting on some weird thing with a what, sword. What's he what the sword just like came out? Yeah. It was like it's ex- extended itself. What? Yeah. What is, wow. Do you think Starfleet knows about this? Can they I sue have, somebody for producing something like this? I mean, I guess. And I've scanned through this entire thing, and we're not in there anywhere. We're not even in it. No, I'm suing somebody. Live long and prosper. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, we take a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time around, one of our listeners has made the suggestion for the movie that we're going to review, and it is 2009 Star Trek. Ta-da! Beating around the bush this time. Also, to everyone who said, hey, you didn't read mine, big announcement, everybody. Oh, I'm boy. dumb and I'm old. Aww. So I only saw 10 comments and didn't see the button to, that said show more. And so... I didn't do it. So guess what? You guys are going to get another one of these. <laughs> after after Halloween season is yeah. over. And in fact, I'm one of the Halloween picks is going to be ones that you guys suggested because someone suggested we got two suggestions for the same movie. Oh, so, so, so we had a winner. And one of them, and it qualifies as a Halloween movie. I'm not going to say which one it is. Okay. But you guys, if you send something through and I didn't read your name on the last one, that's why I'm dumb. But as soon as Halloween is over, we're you know at the the second Halloween episode, I'm going to make the announcement of everybody's whose names, and we're going to make a pick. And then so the first one in November is going to be another listener's wow. choice. Three listener's choices in one year. Four technically. Because we did oh. one earlier this year. Oh, that's true. We did, yeah. This one is a listener's choice. That's true. One of the Halloween ones is yeah, a listener's it's choice. Be, yeah, and, and then, then one we're going to do an, another one in November based on the suggestions that you sent in the original post that I did not read because Grandpa doesn't know how to use the internet. Okay? Woo-hoo. Anyway, Star Trek. Yeah. Star Trek. Star Trek. We like Star Trek. We do. You know, you guys have commented that since we're big Star Trek nerds, we haven't done a whole lot of Star Trek. That's called restraint. Yeah. And we, um, you know, if you're not a patron and you're watching the 
uncut version of this. We kind of went into it during then. Um, yeah. But we're just, we're not here to foist our, even though we do baseball movies every year, but we're not here <laughs> to foist our, our favorites on everyone. And I also figure this show's going to go on for a long time, and we'd rather parse them out because we have a limited number of good yeah. Star Trek movies. I, I, for one, say it's about time that a podcast hosted by two guys had the 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 vision and the bravery to share opinions about Star Trek. That's right. There, you know what? It's it's time that two straight white males, <laughs> yes, both in their middle age, let's do well, a I, podcast about you're in your middle age. You I'm should've. I'm pre middle age. You know, you're not pre middle yes, age. Middle age middle age starts at forty five. Look it up. It's on you're Wikipedia. Gonna, you're gonna die before you're eighty. So don't even think that you. How you're, dare you? You're more than half done. I I. That's not how it works. That's how that's exactly how. <laughs> when okay, how old was your grandpa when he passed away? Seventy-four. And how old was your other grandpa when he passed away? I don't know. We weren't that close. Okay, probably around the same. Time. Probably around the same age. Yeah. So seventy-four. So you're well past. So that's my destiny. <laughs> that's your destiny. I've said it. <sighs> anyway, Star Trek. Star Trek. <laughs> Star Trek, but not. Not the first Star Trek, the motion no. picture. No, just Star Trek. Just Star Trek, made by J.J. Abrams. Indeed. And uh, so, Steve? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, do you have any trivia for Star Trek? Funny you should ask. Okay. Because I do. Oh, okay, I do thank some. God. Um, so here's a fun little bit of trivia to start with. After being cast as Captain Kirk, Chris Pine sent a letter to William Shatner seeking his approval to play his character in the new Star Trek. And he got a box full of shit back. Shatner sent a letter in reply that read, what is Star Trek? No, that's not what he actually... <laughs> oh, I wish he had. What? Oh, you're, you're, I'm sorry, you're playing my character was... from what? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, actually, he Shatner replied and he gave Chris Pine his blessing, but... Uh, was very nice of him. Yeah, very nice of him. Although Shatner has also said in the past that, you know, I was supposed to be in it too, but they wrote no, me out weren't. and they kept Nimoy. No, they weren't. No, you weren't. That's what Shatner says. He was That's never in says. any version of that script. Shatner has said otherwise. I'm not saying that what he's saying is true. And he could be basing it just on like a conversation that he had with a producer <laughs> that never actually went anywhere. But Who lied to him? Yeah, sure. To just get him to get him to leave. Turn to one of his assistants and say, "Type up some bullshit and send it." Yeah, to just give it. Write him. Just write him a scene. We're never going to shoot it. <laughs> I mean, because there was stuff cut out of the movie. Yeah, there was. Yeah, yeah, but none of it but had Captain Kirk in it. Yeah, because <laughs> Admiral Kirk, anything. whoever. Yeah, no, whatever Shatner was, was not it. Yeah, Sh- yeah, I think he was. I think he was a captain by the time he died. But uh, yeah, Shatner mm. Kirk was not in any of it. Okay. Well, um, what so, great trivia. Thanks. Uh, there's more there's more there's more there's more um so the the level of familiarity with star trek among the cast of this movie varied greatly Mm -hmm. Um, simon Pegg and carl urban were both big fans of the original series and in fact when carl urban heard that they were developing this movie he bought the entire original series on dvd and watched it with his son and this Mm -hmm. was this was before he knew he was going to be in the movie he just, he just heard they were. It. He yeah. just heard they were making a Star Trek movie, and he was like, "I'm going to watch Star Trek." And so he went and got the entire show and watched it. Um, Zoe Saldana, on the other hand, had never seen classic Trek before, um, and after she, but but her mom 
was a huge fan. So after mm-hmm. she got cast as Uhura, her mom would call her during filming and would leave her voicemails with tips for how she should be playing Uhura, which I think mm-hmm. is adorable. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the seventh film in which Leonard Nimoy has played Spock. Um, in doing so, he joins his original Trek castmates, William Shatner, James Doohan, and Walter Koenig, as the only original Trek actors to play their characters in seven feature films. However, hmm. Nimoy would also play Spock one final time in Star Trek Into Darkness, which means, he, which means he is the only original Star Trek cast member to play his character in eight movies. No wonder Shatner wants to be in something so bad. <laughs> he wants, he's like, I need that record. I've got to at least tie him before I die. Can't I be a descendant of James Kirk? James Kirk famously only had one child and he's dead. And that, and who Klingon bastards killed him. Remember, Bill, you did that scene? No. No. <laughs> it reminds me of a line from T.J. Hooker. <laughs> yes, exactly. I love, the, I love the idea that William Shatner barely knows what Star Trek is, but remembers every line of T.J. Hooker. <laughs> like <laughs> it's like he's forgotten about star trek just out of spite yeah everybody wants Would him that to talk about anyone no not a, not a bit not a bit everyone wants him to talk about star trek and he's like well i you know, actually i never actually watched the show but I ask him about tj hooker and he's like oh episode season two episode four of course <laughs> yeah. i was helping a young person with a heroin addict and addiction <laughs> Anyway, that's it. One one last bit of trivia. Okay. In an interview conducted shortly before his death in 1991, Star Trek creator Gene Roddenberry was asked what he hoped would become of his creation in the future. Mm Mm-hmm. His answer... This will shut up all you Trek nerds. This will shut you up. His answer, and I quote, I hope some bright young thing will come along and do it again, bigger and better. So, to everyone who claims this movie and its sequels aren't real Star Trek, because they aren't what Gene Roddenberry would have wanted. Gene Roddenberry, yeah. He actually pitched this idea once. Eat shit and die. He pitched the idea of young Kirk, young McCoy, and young Spock in the Academy. He wanted to do an Academy series. That was going to be a movie for a while there. Yeah, that was going to be Roddenberry's next big thing to get back into the swing of things after they kicked him off TNG. Right. He (laughs) says, I'll show you. Too bad. But Um, yeah, so so the idea of rebooting it and going back to younger versions of the characters, Roddenberry, not that it would matter if Roddenberry wanted it or not, but... mm -hmm. If you are some kind of purist, like only what Gene Roddenberry approved of is real Star Trek, well, he totally wanted to do this. That's right. Uh, unfortunately, he was not alive to try to interfere. Unfortunately. how it was going to be. Unfortunately. Because if you think Gene Roddenberry gave a shit about what the ships looked like, what the costumes were like, what the set was like, he didn't. No. He did not give a shit. He cared that it had Star Trek's name on it and his <laughs> name was associated with it. That's what he wanted, yes. Mm-hmm. So long as his name is on it and it is there, based on Star Trek, created by Gene Roddenberry. Yeah. He's like, do I, get, do I get my money? Well, then go do whatever you want. And this fucking movie is dedicated to both him and to uh, Majel Barrett. Right. So, Star Trek people, if you have still have lingering complaints, because this movie bent over backwards to try to make you happy. Oh, God, they worked so hard to make everybody happy. And there are and they, some for the most part did, but there for are the some, most part some they people. did. Yeah. There, well, there are always some that are just never going to be happy with anything you do. 
Mm-hmm. And you know me, I treasure canon more than Steve does. Oh, well, you would almost have and, to because I don't treasure it very much <laughs> yeah, at all. Yeah, you don't give a shit about it at all. <laughs> as long as it's good, I don't give a shit. <laughs> Here's my idea for my next Star Trek. Captain Kirk is played by a pig. <laughs> a literal pig, and we just put, like, babe. It's like, babe, and we just make him say the lines, and he just runs around and shits and rolls in it. And I, I, I Look, I know it sounds crazy, but you have not read the script. The script it's, is amazing. I have here. Look, I have a proof of concept that I shot at a children's petting zoo. I swear to God, it looks it's perfect. <laughs> he even has the little tuft of hair. He looks just like Shatner. Come on. Spock is played by an emu. <laughs> the most logical of all petting zoo animals, I would I would say. <laughs> well, that was great trivia, Steve. Yeah, Thank you. you're welcome. Let's talk about who made it. Let's do it. It was, it was directed by J.J. Abrams, who briefly was Hollywood's golden boy. Yeah. Well, and you know, it was, he, it was, it was all the buzz off of... And then he did what he did to Star Trek, Star Wars. <laughs> it was all the buzz off of his regarding Henry script that he was... I wonder if after the last Star Wars movie, he, he was like, I should have stayed with Star Trek. Somehow, the fans of Star Trek are less toxic than the who, Star Wars. Who saw that coming, by the way? Remember back in the 80s when everybody was like, you know, like the, the cool nerds on the on the sliding, because back in the 80s, nerds weren't cool yet, but no, like yeah. the, the, you know, the Star Star Wars had more popular appeal. It was more of a cultural sure. thing. It was Lots less of Lots of people and it was out of the closet about it was, Star yeah, Wars. Star Wars was cool. It was a reference that everybody got. You know, it was like if you were a Star Wars fan, you were laid back and you were cool and you didn't really, you weren't that into it, but you would, you watched it and you thought it was all right. And like all oh, the, the Trekkies, those are those nerds that go to conventions and dress up and they're obsessed with the canon and blah, blah, blah. That's and boy, right. boy, how the worm has turned. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who would have ever it guessed is, that the Star Wars fans would wind up being more toxic than Star Trek fans? Toxic and shitty. My cat has joined me for some reason. Uh, please don't rub on the microphone. <laughs> Scenting your pop filter. This is mine. This is mine you now. Dingbat. <laughs> um, okay, but J.J. Abrams, you know him. He was like a TV guy. Yes, he was. You know, he wrote a couple of screenplays like regarding Henry. And then he went to TV and he did like Lost and that Spy Girl thing. Mm-hmm. and Alias. Alias. And then one movie... What was it, 8mm? He did. <laughs> no, Super 8. It was 8mm. 8mm is a little different. It was about a snuff film that these kids made with an alien that I particularly didn't like yeah. all that much. Um, uh, and did he have another big hit movie, or was did he go directly to Star Trek? Did he direct Cloverfield? I know he I was mean, a producer. No, he didn't, he didn't direct it. He was a producer. Yeah. I'm going to kill this cat. I love you so much. You just want to be let outside. Ah, okay. All right. All right. You know what? I'm talking about Star... What the hell? Are you going to say Are you gonna say something? No? Okay. I got to let this cat out or he's not going to okay. 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 Either he's terribly... Obs- he's never done this. I've been doing this for eight years. I've been doing this for eight years and now you're bothering me and embarrassing me in front of all these people and this is on a, this is on a live feed. It's gonna be a video. I can't cut this out. <laughs> All right, watch. Just okay. watch. I'm gonna. I long for the simplicity of a dog. <laughs> okay, I got one name down. Yes. Just screw it. Now the now the dog's here because now the I dog, gave attention oh, to about, the cat. 
What about us? I don't care about you. You were laying down happily, and then the cat had to get up. I, okay, fine. Get on my lap. I don't care anymore. Um, it was written by Robert Orsi and Alex Kurtzman, the two gentlemen who are currently destroying Star Trek on television. Well, well, well Kurtzman. Or, I don't think Orsi has anything to do with it. No, I don't think Orsi, Orsi but, has uh, anything to do with it. Orsi wrote things like Transformers. Uh, right? Less Watchmen. than meets the eye. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Kurtzman, I don't care. I don't. Kurtz, Kurtzman is the current godfather of Star Trek. Yes, what a great job! And you, you are more anti-Kurtzman than I am. Other than other than Star Trek Picard, and to a lesser extent, Lower Decks, I have not had a huge problem with Kurtzman's Star Trek. I have had shows. lots of problems with Kurtzman's stuff. I know. I don't like him. I know. Who's doing? Wait, who's in charge of? Uh, Strange New Worlds. Well, I mean, Kurtzman isn't like the showrunner, but he is still under his umbrella. Who is the showrunner for, for Strange I New Worlds? I think it might be Akiva Goldsman, actually. I think it I is never, Akiva Goldsman. Which I never thought I would say. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let me look it up, because I, I, th- I think it's Akiva Goldsman. It is. Um, yeah, I believe it is. Yeah. So maybe so. maybe Akiva should, you know kill what? somebody <laughs> take over <laughs> you know just invite invite kurtzman to some nice lunch out in the middle of nowhere next to a freshly dug hole i won't say grave <laughs> and reenact the death scene of joe pesci from uh, from casino that's all i'm saying sure you know some strong guys exactly yes some of them some of them star trek actors will do almost anything for money you know, pay Michael uh, yeah. Dorn enough, he'll he'll help you. Oh, oh boy, you pay Michael. You look, Michael Dorn. <laughs> Michael Dorn played Worf for like eighty years. So if you yeah. pay him enough money, he'll do anything. Some of that Klingon shit is sunk into his bones at this yeah, point. Oh yeah, he's like, just give me one of those fucked up looking Klingon swords. <laughs> I'll do it. Give me a mech leth. Uh, the Late Seating Podcast would like to say that even though we just implied that one producer kill another producer, we were not serious. This is a joke. Please don't kill each other producers Please of Star don't Trek. don't kill each other producers of Star Trek. <laughs> Based on Star Trek by Gene Roddenberry, duh. Produced by J.J. Abrams and Damon Lindelof, and he's done things like Transformers. How? Why? Well, and he's I mean, and he also I think he he also co he was a co creator or co producer on Lost too. Like him and Abrams have done stuff oh, together yeah, for a while. Great, yeah, that great series. I never watched it. It was interesting and good until you realized, and I started to realize this in the first season. Oh shit! They don't know where they're taking this. <laughs> they're just making this up, and when people realize that, they're going to be mad. They're going to be mad. <laughs> Starring Chris Pine as James T. Kirk. And you know Chris Pine. He's been in other things like Wonder Woman. Yeah. And <laughs> and other things as well. And other things. Zachary Quinto as Spock. And you know him from Ameri- the first season of American Horror Story. And... Uh... Wasn't he in Heroes? Yeah, he was in Heroes. Oh, that was his I, never, that was like I his never first. I never that. watched that. E- I never watched it either. But I think that was like his first big like breakthrough. Leonard Nimoy as Spock Prime or Spock. That's fine. <laughs> and you know Leonard Nimoy played Spock. Jacob Cogan is young Spock. Nothing. Carl Urban as Dr. Leonard Bones McCoy and 
boy, does his research pay off, didn't it, Steve? Oh, yes. He's like, I think I've got this. <laughs> he's, he's really good as McCoy. I think so, too, yeah. In all three of the films, he's really good. He's terrific. He's, he's great and beyond. Oh, he's so good, there. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You never have difficulty going, eh, no, he's not really trying. He's nothing like him. Um, <laughs> Zoe Saldana is Noyota Uhura. And you know her from uh, the Avatar movies and from Guardians of the Galaxy. And um, that's it. Probably some other stuff. Other stuff. Um, and this 2009 was big for her, right? Because oh, I mean, yeah. she was in a ton of stuff. And um, it was all based on because she got cast in Avatar. Right. This she was, was hot. kind of This was kind of the same effect. Because remember when we talked about Avatar... Uh, what's his fuck? <laughs> the lead actor from that. Oh, the guy who played, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah he, he got was in huge, a lot of stuff, too. Yeah. He had huge buzz, and because Avatar was filmed this way, the, the you know they did the motion capture, and then they left for them to do their special effects, which was 99% of the movie. You know, word got around. Oh, hey, they, they cast this Zoe Saldana as the lead Avatar. Let's check her out. And all of a sudden, she started popping up and stuff. Yeah. Simon Pegg is Montgomery Scott, and you know Simon Pegg. I hope you know Simon Pegg, but I mean, he was in Hot Fuzz and, um, boy, the. Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead, thank you, the zombie movie, and the one about drinking at the end of the world. Yeah, isn't it just called The, wor- isn't it just called the World's End? The World's End. Yeah. It's called the, the what the uh, director calls his Cornetto trilogy. Yeah. Um, and uh, Spaced. Right. Was yeah. that the name um, of it? Yeah. yeah, the sitcom, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's good. And he's, he's really a, very good. He's a massive Star Trek fan. Oh, yeah. Which is why the last one was so good. Because <laughs> <laughs> he wrote it. Because he wrote it. John Cho is Akira Sulu, and he's also, he was in the, wasn't he in the Kumar movies? Yeah, he was Harold. He was Harold in Harold yeah. and Kumar. And that's it. That's all I'm doing. Anton Yelchin is Pavel Chekhov, and unfortunately, he died. Yeah. Um, and I don't think he got to do a whole lot outside of these other than the remake of Fright Night. Why did they remake Fright Night? <laughs> anyway, uh, Eric Bana is Captain Nero. Yeah. And you know, you know him as Baby Hulk. From Hulk, <laughs> he was the he was the Incredible Hulk. Actually, he never got a he was not used in the motion capture. No, for no, the Hulk. no. Was, Ang Lee did the mocap for Ang Hulk. Lee. <laughs> did it. But Eric Banner was Bruce Banner. And if you want to see something funny, watch Ang Lee stomping around as the Hulk for the mocap for that. Oh boy, oh, yeah. Those behind God. the scenes, those behind the scenes videos are hilarious. Ang, um, what are you doing? I'm I'm Hulk. Um, okay. <laughs> he's the director and I, 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 you know I love that movie but yeah it's a little Crouching weird tiger, you made Crouching Tiger you know like what are we going to tell him no <laughs> Bruce Greenwood <sighs> as Christopher Pike yes not the best one I, and I have things to say about that when at we get to the review point, portion the, the actor <laughs> who originated Pike isn't even the best one <laughs> well no no, but yeah, Bruce Greenwood is Bruce. Bruce Greenwood was one of those actors. Like for me, every time I see him in things, I'm mm-hmm. like, it's Bruce Greenwood. And he was leg- as 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 excited as I was about this movie before it came out. 
when I heard that Bruce Greenwood was playing Captain Pike, my excitement like doubled. I was like, <gasps> tell everybody what else Bruce Greenwood is in. He's in that depressing movie where he cries at a stripper. Oh, Exotica. Um, <laughs> Exotica. Which, which, by the way, yeah, depressing, depressing for sure, but a great goddamn movie. I'm sure. Um, actually, he's been he's been in several depressing Adam McGoyan movies because he, he was also <laughs> he was also in the Sweet Hereafter, which again is just absolutely wrenching, but it's such a good movie. Um, and of course, I know him best as the star of Nowhere Man. He was he oh, was uh, yeah. he was Thomas Vale on Nowhere Man. Okay. Ben Cross as Sarek, and he's a character actor from England. You'll recognize him in other stuff. Winona Ryder as Amanda Grayson. I remember sitting in the theater, and then I'm like, is that Winona Ryder as yeah. Fox mom? <laughs> what the hell? I mean, I know she's needed work, and this is long before Stranger Things. Stranger Things, yeah. It was before right her right. full-on comeback, yeah. Yeah, but I was like surprised. I was like, that is Winona Ryder. Well, that's nice. She has, oh, they fridged her. Oh, oh boy, did they. They fridged her in the entire goddamn planet. <laughs> Clifton Collins Jr. as A.L., the first officer, and he's a character actor. You've seen him around. Chris Hemsworth as George Kirk. Little oh. baby Chris Hemsworth. Doing Who would have thought? Doing his American accent. Who would have thought in just a couple of years he would have had mm-hmm. that sweet spot in the MCU and he'd be set for life? That's true. One of the MCU that has been doing is that they've been casting people who weren't like grade A actors in all of the superhero roles. Absolutely. Because they're hungry. And they'll sign, their, <laughs> they'll sign their lives away. <laughs> Lifetime contract. You ever heard of that? And Jennifer Morrison as, I swear to God, this is in there, Winona Kirk. So did they get inspired by her character name to hire Winona Ryder as the <laughs> mom to Spock? Exactly. You know who'd be good for Spock's mom? I mean, now that we're talking about this. Yeah. She plays Kirk. Kirk's mommy. Yep. Cinematographer by Dan Mendel. He works on J.J. Abrams projects. Edited by Mary Jo Markey and Marianne Brandon. They work on J.J. Abrams projects. Production company Spyglass Entertainment and Bad Robot Productions. Distributed by Paramount. Why? Because they own it. They own Star Trek. <laughs> it's the only fucking thing they have. It's all we have. Let us please don't take it away from please us. Please don't take it. Oh, I see a mouse. He's no, coming. God, no, please. No. We've got to make another movie. Please. <laughs> the mouse is at the door. Uh-huh. How many? How many episodes in this franchise already? Oh <laughs> no. God! Oh God! No. He's looking at the gold. He's looking at the gold. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but if they did, maybe we'd get a decent theme park right out of it. Ooh. Um, release date, May 8th, 2009. Running time, 127 minutes. Budget, $150 million. Box office, $385.7 million. Making it a big hit for the time. And, and by far the top grossing Star Trek movie. Oh, yeah, because a lot of people... So here's where it dropped. It dropped after there'd been no Star Trek on TV. No new Star Trek. I mean, everything's running in syndication at this point. Um, But this was before streaming. 
Really? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, Star Trek hadn't been around. There hadn't been a new movie in a long time. There hadn't been any Star Trek. And Paramount was like, we need another Star Trek. Can we start over from the beginning? And that's how this whole thing started. And then they managed to nab J.J. Abrams. And I kind of agree. So here's the thing. Some people thought J.J. Abrams would be more suited to Star Wars because he likes Star Wars. Well, he wasn't. Right. He wasn't. <laughs> well, he wasn't. <laughs> And while I do kind of agree, he wasn't really suited for the Star Trek that we had up to this point. Right. I think he was kind of well suited for this particular path that they were going down with these movies. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So. Well, the thing is, the, the, the thing is about it is like, not to get into the review before we do the synopsis, but like the, um, the not only was this the first Star Trek movie since nemesis in 2002 and the first star trek anything since enterprise ended on tv but it was the first star trek movie probably since star trek 4 because star trek 4 was the last one that was like a big crossover hit Um, yeah it was the first star trek movie at least in a while that felt like it was for everybody you know most of the star trek movies feel like whether they're good or bad they feel like well these this is for the star trek fans they kind of jumped in for the other movies, that's from motion picture onwards, anyone that was jumping on board, they weren't jumping into the series, right? Right. This movie was mostly made that had all of the Star Trek stuff that people who didn't watch Star Trek would recognize. Yeah. And it was pitched at a wide audience, and it was pitched as like a tentpole movie. You know, like this is like a big Hollywood blockbuster. Everybody come to see this. You're going to love it. And other Star Trek movies up to that point had not been pitched that way. Mm-mm. You know, nope. Okay, so. you ready? You ready? <laughs> I'm ready. Yeah, I'm you ready. ready to beam into the world of Star Trek 2009? I am very ready. Yes, where everything is supercharged. Yes, as some people may know, we do a Star Trek uh, show of our own called The Ensign's Log, where we yes. play two characters. Um, how fundamentally changed would our characters be if we wound up in this Kelvin timeline? Um, there'd be a Star lot Trek. more running. <laughs> Well, there'd be a lot more running, and number two, we would become super, you know, our characters would be supercharged. Oh, yeah. We'd be super geniuses, and we'd all know how to fight, and we'd all have technical skills that are way above and beyond anything that anyone ever has. And we'd have six-pack abs, even though we never worked out. That's right. And we'd be young. Yeah, and hot. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, have sex with everybody and That's everything right. everywhere while running. While running a, and fighting. While f- running through a brewery for some reason. <laughs> That's because the engine room. Someone, someone went to a brewery and said, yeah, it looks like an engine room. Yeah, screw it. Uh, you know, we've been location scouting all day. Screw it. This is the I engine room. I don't care. Somehow <laughs> we wound up at a brewery. Don't ask me how. And we just thought, oh, yeah, we shine these up. It will look exactly like... That the whole ship is nothing but engine room. Because I don't think they knew how big the ship was. There's it's a like lot, the TARDIS. There's, there's it's a bigger lot on of, the inside. There's a lot of open space in these ships, okay? Uh, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of running fast and loose with shit. Yeah, oh, for sure. Movie. For sure. There's a whole lot of the Spielberg, if we go at it fast enough and it's exciting enough, only the real nerds will go, hey, wait a minute. Right. <laughs> And then, you know, the other people will just reach over and smack that nerd in the face. That's right. That's right. Shut up, nerd. You mean you would do yeah, it. Yeah, me. Shut up, nerd. 
Shut up, nerd. <laughs> okay, can we beam in? Yes, let's beam into the world. Yes, please. All right, Steve. Yes. Take it, take it away. <gasps> Star Trek. Um, mm-hmm. A long so, time ago, galaxy far, far away. Star yeah, Trek. Uh, uh, what? <laughs> da, 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 da. No. Um, and then start playing the Superman theme. So do you we, just confuse every fucking person on the planet? <laughs> that was the Star Wars theme. That's not the Superman theme. No, I know, but that's what you do to. If oh, I would, lo- I would love. Uh, it starts yeah. to open like Star Wars, but then you get Star Trek. You and get then, a crawl, and the Superman and, theme is. Playing. And then, and then you have people in the theater panicking, like, "Are we in the right theater? What's the, happening? Is there a Star Wars? Is there a Star Wars slash Superman and crossover then, that came out the it, same weekend that I didn't know about? It, it pans down from the stars, and you're in Middle Earth, oh, and you're see, like, "Wait, exactly. what the fuck is happening?" <laughs> And instead of Gandalf, it's Doctor Strange. All of your yeah. worlds are converging Wol- together. Wolverine comes place. in, yeah, <laughs> Wolverine smoking is, a cigar. Wolverine is is uh, Aragorn in this. <laughs> hey, you just improved the Lord of the Rings by about a thousand percent. Shut up, you. Uh, <laughs> he's like, here, give me the ring, ka-ching, and that the end, end of end of movie. <laughs> Yeah, his adamantium claws would be able to cut that thing. His adamantium claws shred the ring into like four different pieces. (laughs) He's like, there you go. I did you a favor. Anyway, so Star Trek. Um, Yeah. The the first shot is of the ship, which turns out to be the Kelvin, flying by Mm -hmm. the camera. And I love the shot because it's like it's it's in such close up that it could be like a subway train going by. Like you don't really know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. You don't really know what it is until it gets far enough away and it. The camera shot kind of resolves. But you're and getting like, oh, Star Trek. You're getting Star Trek sounds with it. Yeah, that's true. You get the and you hear like you hear radio chatter. There's like a mm-hmm. apparently apparently there's like a big thing that just showed up in space. Like that's right. And they're like, we don't know what it is. Let's go check Let's it out. Check it out, and they check it out, and a big. And a big upside down cactus plant comes out. Yep. Oh boy, it's it's yeah, it's big and spiky, and and they start boy. shooting it at the ship. And then they they tell the captain, "Hey, come over here." Yeah, take for, a spa- take a shuttlecraft and fly over here. We promise we won't kill you. And he turns to a guy and he says, "Kirk, you're in command." And we're like, "Is that Captain Kirk?" No, that's it's George not. Kirk. That's and that's Daddy Kirk. That's right. And then the captain goes over to the ship, and that's where we meet. Uh, Nero, yeah. and he's upset about something. He's I don't not know feeling why. very talkative right now. He's just kind of sitting there, and his he his, wants, his, his they, number they wanted, one guy yeah. is doing all the questions. Yeah, you are my number one. <laughs> I am. You are my number one guy. He asks what year it is. He says. Uh, he tells him. He gets so upset that he that he picks up a trident that he happens to have and he stabs them. Well, he also he asks, he, he, asks, he says, where's, he says, where is ambassador Spock? That's right. And the captain's like, who the fuck is that? That's a dumb name. <laughs> like anybody would ever be named Spock in star Trek. Shut up. And then he gets killed. <laughs> then he gets killed yeah. because uh, he's insulting, you know, he's Vulcan heritage. How dare you insult that name? <laughs> And, of course, the Vulcans are related to the Romulans that's, or whatever. That's true. He, the Romulans and Vulcans, they don't get along, but they have a shared history. So watch it. And this is the introduction to what I call the overcomplicated ship design of what the fuck is that and how does it Oh, work. The, you mean the Romulan ship. The Romulan, yeah, quote, it's, unquote, it's, it's nuts. mining ship. It's nuts. <laughs> it's nuts and nothing about it makes any sense. 
that looks like a, a spider and a cactus plant. You know, one of those spiky plants with the pointy leaves. Yeah, there's there's a lot about that ship and the way it works and the things it can do that you just take for granted. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. f- just that's fine. Go ahead. <laughs> so they start shooting at Kelvin. Yep. They're getting torn up. And so Captain George Kirk says, everybody, I get out. I'm going to stay to protect the shuttles as they leave because they're going to shoot at the shuttles. Right, because autopilot has been damaged, so he can't, he can't, right. just, he can't just mm-hmm. set the ship, so he has to stay there. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, Ensign Pilot, and he's lying on the floor. Call me Otto. Oh, can't oh, you fly okay. the ship? No. <laughs> you have to inflate him. You have to inflate him if he's going to be the autopilot. <laughs> anyway, his wife is in labor, and she's being evacuated, and uh, they get her on a shuttle, and she leaves. And he's like, I'm not going with you. And she's like, oh, sadness and feelings. And he's like, yeah, sadness and feelings. And then she squirts out a kid. And they're like, yeah. what are we going to name this kid? <laughs> and he's and, and she's like, can we name him after your dad? And he's like, Tiberius is a terrible name. Let's name him after your dad. And and she's like, okay. And, and the Trek nerds are like, wait. <laughs> if that's James Kirk, his father was never in Starfleet and he was alive? <laughs> during during Star Trek, wait a minute. And, this and, is not the way it's supposed to be. What is happening? <laughs> this is different. But then George flies his ship into the great big Romulan ship, and it goes boom, and he dies. And then we cut to Star Trek. Yes, it just says Star Trek. Yep, with the great big Starfleet logo and Star Trek. Just Star Trek. Cut to. Where? Iowa. Oh, Iowa. Iowa. Uh, you, we ought to give Iowa a try. How many years later is it? Uh, like does 10 it, years later. Does it say, it's not, yeah, I guess. I, don't I mean, know. I don't think they actually say, but but we, 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 we can assume because we meet a young ne'er-do-well, a young juvenile delinquent who has stolen, stolen a car. An antique car. Yeah, an old Corvette. And he gets a mm. phone call on his Nokia cell phone. That's right. And the voice on the other end is quite upset. He's like, you bring my car back, you son of a bitch. Don't right. you get a scratch on it. Mm-hmm. And the kid's and like, sorry, your, your, you. your signal's breaking up. <laughs> I can't hear you. He doesn't even do no, that. He, he, he just he, presses a button and the he beastie just hangs up voice. On him. The, the beastie boys, baby. The, the music. Pass- yeah. Yeah. The, the muses they, of the Kelvin timeline films, the Beastie Boys. And, and then they pass a kid and he says, hey, Johnny, but I know that because of cutscenes, that's yeah. George, his older brother. That was originally supposed to be his brother, George. Yeah. yeah. And he's hitchhiking and his yeah. own brother passes by. <laughs> like, hey, screw you. I got a car. But then a cyber cop is after him. Uh-oh. And he and he drives off the road after he gets told to be pulled over, and the cyber cop is on his floaty bike, and then he decides decides he's gonna Thelma and Louise this thing. Oh yeah! And he drives right to a cliff and jumps off right at the last minute, and nearly goes off the cliff, and then the cop stops, and the kid stands up, and the cop is like, "Your hair is unnaturally yellow. It doesn't <laughs> what look to your natural hair, son? at all. Why is your hair yellow?" The adult Kirk doesn't have hair that color. <laughs> well, he aged and the hair color changed, you know. But he asks him his name and what does he say? He says, my name is James Tiberius Kirk. <laughs> and who the fuck wants to know? That's right. 
<laughs> You're gonna put me in jail again? Do it. Come I on, cop. Care. You think you can do anything to me? Ain't already been done. Give it a try. You better hope I don't get out. <laughs> Cut to Vulcan. Vulcan. And we're in one of those wonderful Vulcan schools. Ah, uh, a Vulcan education pit. That's right, where you're assaulted by questions that you have to answer for eight to twelve hours. I don't know how long. Apparently, it is. yep. You just you sit and in a little bowl and you get peppered <laughs> with questions by the computer. And then we see Spock because bullies walk up to him. Yeah, and they're like, "We're going to try to. We have come up with new insults." And he's like, "Go away!" And they go, "Your mother's a fucking whore." <laughs> and that works. And Spock just beats the piss out of him. Yeah, he 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 uh, he 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 Ralphies him. He huh? gets on yeah, he gets he, he, he gets on top of him and beats the shit out of him with both fists like 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 Ralphie in Christmas mm-hmm. Story. He fucking beats the shit out of him. And so Spock has to talk with his dad, and he's like, "I don't understand. Mom's human, you know. Mom's human. Why did you marry her?" And he said, "Oh, it was logical." I'm lying. It, it was logical. <laughs> I'll tell you later. Then we jump forward, and Spock is meeting his mommy. Yeah. Because he's about to be accepted into the Vulcan um, Science Academy. Yeah. Well, that's neat. And then he goes there and they insult his mom. Yeah, boy, <laughs> there's, there's, there's a pattern a here. <laughs> Why do people have to, like, just stop talking shit about his mom and he'll be they're fine? Like, they're like, no one in the original series had any fucking opinion about his mother. <laughs> it's, what's, what's so funny is like, they're literally, he's there to be accepted into the Academy and everything seems to be going fine. And then the lead <laughs> Academy guy is like, well, Spock, your test scores are exemplary. We're very happy to accept you into the Academy. And oh, by the way, fuck your mother. <laughs> and he's like, okay, I can't go here. Well, fuck you then. Fuck you. But I mean, where did this come from? This was not in the original series well, I, at I, all. I, I think, you know, like we're saying, how everything is sort of intensified in and this. And supercharged. And yeah. supercharged. And I think that is this movie's way of establishing that, you know, the the mixed parentage and the sort of the man of two worlds thing for this Spock. Because it's not just I that. It's, it's specifically that she is he has a human mother. You know, it's not mm-hmm. just like your mom is a bitch. Like they don't have anything personal against her. It's no. that, well, you know, she's a human. She's not one of us. It's kind Which of Which makes like, her inferior. Yeah. Because what he says is despite your. Your disadvantage. Your yeah. disadvantage. Because you had a shitty mother. And he says, oh, well, thank you very much. But go fuck yourselves. And Bye. He flips, flips them off he gi- as he's leaving. He, he gives them the bitchiest live long and prosper ever. Mm-hmm. And now we get to see a townie invade a military bar. <laughs> yeah. And that goes about as well as you would think. So Kirk shows up in a bar. There's a couple of aliens there. But who he runs into is Uhura. Yep. Who he hits on. And then uh, Starfleet Security says, is he bothering you? And then they get into a great big fight. Yep. And who breaks up the fight? The star of the film. No, <laughs> no. Captain Pike shows up and and tells all the Starfleet Sec- guys or to as get I out. Like to call, as I like to call him now, second place Pike. Second place Pike. <laughs> but at the time the movie was made, he was first place Pike, buddy. Sure, he, he was, was first, first place, place Pike. Pike. But that that was more than ten years ago. That, okay, okay. But anyway, he yeah, Captain Pike shows up and he's like, "You Starfleet people, get lost." Go home. Go to bed. You have to leave in the morning. <laughs> I'm going to talk to this drunken loser. Well, who he recognizes. 
No, sure. Yeah. He knows who he is. Yeah. He says, hey, George George uh, Kirk was your dad, and he saved 800 people. I challenge you to do better. I'm here to lay a guilt trip on you. <laughs> and Kirk throws up because he's drunk and he's just been in a fight. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, what? what happened? I've swallowed a lot of my own blood. <laughs> I, need it. I need help. I need a doctor. <laughs> and apparently, joining Starfleet Academy is easy. You can just get on the ship. You can just get on the bus. You just walk up, get on the bus, and it takes you to Starfleet Academy. You don't have to go through any of the shit that we've seen other people go through to get into no. the Academy. No, I mean, it's sort of implied that Kirk is somewhat of a known quantity, at least to Pike. Yeah, because apparently he, he has great yeah. grades. And he has good grades. He, he has, Pike says something like, your test scores are through the roof, so why are you wasting your time, you know, getting in fights and getting arrested in the middle of Iowa? Why don't you join Starfleet? So, right. But a lot of that is just sort of implied. And who knew that they were building the Enterprise in in Kansas, in Iowa? In, in Iowa, I, I know, right? And meanwhile, Star Trek nerds are going, what are they doing? What are they doing? <laughs> and J.J. Abrams is behind the camera just cackling. It was built at Utopia Planitia. <laughs> and also... <laughs> Kirk isn't the first captain of the Enterprise. No, and, and actually neither is Pike. No, neither is Pike. Except Rob now he everyone. is. <laughs> now he is in this timeline. Because thankfully they throw in something that... I, <laughs> we'll get to it when we get Yeah, to yeah, 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 yeah. Meanwhile, people are tearing at themselves. If they have Trek Canada, they're like, what is happening? This is wrong. This is wrong. They're doing it wrong. I, I hate it. On the bus, he meets McCoy. Yeah, which and they have a conversation, which is one of the few things in the movie that actually grates on me. Yep, why is that? The Bones thing. Yep, I knew you were going to have a problem. I, 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 I have, have a problem with it, too. I have no problem with the most of the things in this movie that, like, Trekkies have a problem with don't, do not bother me at all. The only thing, and actually, actually, the Bones thing doesn't seem to bother most Trekkies. They're more worried about, like, the nerdy Star Trek canon stuff. Yeah. But but they ha- he 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 has his meet cute with McCoy on the, on the right. show, which is already a little convenient. But I understand it's like they have to introduce the other characters at some point. So okay, he meets McCoy sure. on the shuttle, whatever. Um, right. And he has a little. They have a little back and forth, and it's kind of funny. And they Carl Urban establishes his McCoy, and he's great. But then he says, you know, I got no choice but to join Starfleet. I lost everything in the divorce. The wife took everything except my bones. Mm. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, they don't, they called him Bones because it's a nickname for a doctor. Sawbones. That came from the Civil War. It's a Sawbones. That's why they call him Bones. It's a short, you know, it's like, it it doesn't need an origin. No, it doesn't. (laughs) It does not. It's this movie's solo moment. (laughs) <laughs> where they explain people are going to wonder why he has that name people no. are stupid like they no. don't understand things nobody will wonder that like if you just also, write a scene where kirk calls him bones and just let that be a thing nobody's going to be like what's up with that how did your wife take everything from you in this society with no money <laughs> with no money <laughs> um she she woke him up with a phaser rifle and said you're moving out <laughs> Meanwhile, we then cut to them in Starfleet Academy. Jim Kirk is fucking everything. Yeah. It's a few years later. Some There's a little bit of a time girl. jump. He takes the Kobayashi Maru, Maru test and cheats. 
Yep. You know, that story that we all know. From, as was foretold. Fucking movies. Yeah. Yes. As was foretold. Um, <laughs> he gets in trouble in which they dress him down in front of everybody. They have like an assembly, apparently, of the entire academy just to fucking mm-hmm. yell at Kirk about this. Tyler Perry is playing uh, Admiral Richard Bartlett. Yeah. For some reason. At least he's and, not in drag. Yeah, it's true. He's not Medea. He's like, can and, I be admirable Medea? No. Tyler, no. And then... Kirk and Spot, Spock meet for the first time, and they have an argument. Mm-hmm. But, uh-oh, something's happening in space. Yeah. And they're going to send everyone, including cadets, except for you, Kirk, because right. you're in trouble. Yeah. You're bad. Right. And then we see Uhura ask why she's not on the Enterprise with Spock. Um, and he goes, I don't know. And she goes, that's right, I'm on it. And he goes, yes, you are. And we're like, hmm, I wonder, I wonder if he's doing it with her. But we we need to, because Kirk wants to go up there because he recognizes something about the description of, what they call it? A lightning storm in space? A lightning storm in space, yeah. Uh-huh. And he goes, oh, that sounds like when my daddy died. And he needs to get up there. So yeah. Bones shoots him up with something and gets him sick. They get up on... We see the Enterprise, and it, and it kind of looks it looks weird. <laughs> it looks different. It looks different. It's the same basic shape, but I mean, they did some weird things to it. Um, it's got a look, yeah, a few more curves, and it's a little puffier in some places. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's gigantic. And anyway, it, yeah, uh, yeah. he gets Kirk on on board the ship, and then he gives him the antidote, which makes his hands swell up and his tongue swell up as they're leaving he's convinced that they're flying into a trap right yes into an ambush and he needs to get up onto the bridge to tell him that meanwhile as mccoy is trying to fix him and then he gets up to the bridge he tells them that and he says it's because of the way it was described he goes okay well we're not gonna do anything about it we're just gonna show up anyway we're just gonna keep going yeah we're gonna just keep going and they do we're almost there and they meet the ship they get attacked by nero then nero i one of the well one of the things that really i thought was funny is that when nero sees the name of the ship he sees the enterprise and he says to call over right and they connected and nero appears on the screen and he goes this is christopher pike and nero goes hey christopher I'm Nero. <laughs> it's I love it. It's one of my favorite it movies in the one whole. Of my, one of my favorite moments. moments in the whole movie. Yeah. And then he makes the same demand. I want Christopher Pike over at the Shepherd. He goes, okay. Everyone tells him not to do it. At this point, do we even know what Kirk's rank is? Is he anything? I don't think he. I don't think he has a rank. He's just a cadet. Right. Yeah. Anyway, so he's gonna send. He's gonna send Kirk, and he asks for someone who has hand-to-hand combat skills, and and Sulu lies, and he goes, I do. And he grabs some other, <laughs> some other dude, and gonna, yeah. they've dropped some sort of drilling platform outside of Vulcan because this is happening around Vulcan, and it's blocking all of our yeah. communications, and we can't transport anything. So you guys are going to go down there, and you're going to dis disconnect it. You're going to drop. You're going to free fall in spacesuits, and they're going like great. And so he goes over to the ship. Pike goes over to the ship. And they capture him, and then they shoot down to the platform. The red shirt dies, because I guess they had to. One of the greatest red shirt deaths ever, by the way. Sure. And I love that red shirt death. Meanwhile, 
Kirk and Sulu fight, and they fight. They kill some guys that are on the platform, and then they just... Inst- okay, so here's one of my problems with this. You ready? Ready. We lost our explosives. How are we going to get... Uh, how are we going to, uh, you know, stop this drilling platform from blocking our communications, right? In most other Star Trek, one of them will say, I'll pull that panel and I'll, and I'll disengage, I'll disengage right. the systems. But in this one, they just pick up guns and start shooting it. Yeah, they just shoot the shit out of it, baby. Okay. So they get the platform disconnected so they can beam out and they can do other things. But then Sulu falls off the platform. And so then um, Kirk has to jump after him. And the parachutes don't work no more. And uh, then Chekhov goes, I know how I can get them because they can't get a signal lock on them while they're falling. And he runs down down to the transporter room and he gets them and they beam back in hooray and then they you know drops get some stuff called red matter and it's a great big it's a great big tether ball and he sticks the needle in the tether ball and he takes them out and he puts it in a missile and he drops the missile into the hole that they were digging because they apparently they drilled all the way to the earth's core and it's going off and they go oh my god it's a it's a singularity they're making a black hole inside the planet, and it's only got a few minutes left to go. And Spock goes, I got to go get the elders and my mommy and daddy. So when they get Kirk and Spock up, or Kirk and, and Sulu up, he's beaming Sulu, down yeah. to go get his. And they he runs into this thing where they're all sitting around, and apparently they didn't notice the earthquakes and, <laughs> and things falling over. Is, Nobody told them. We only have a couple minutes, so they run outside, and then the same man who just beamed two falling people at 120 miles an hour <laughs> onto the ship fails to get his mom, who fell a few feet. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's the agony booth for you, Chekhov. <laughs> Everyone beams back except the mommy, and Spock is upset. Right? Yep. Yeah. Man. Well, you know, I mean... He loved his mom. And then Vulcan goes bloop. Vulcan goes bye-bye. Vulcan goes bye-bye. Now here's, thankfully, right before this, as Star Trek fans were becoming apoplectic to all the changes in the thing, when they see Vulcan now has it, because they're saying quantum singularity is appearing inside of Vulcan, and they're like, what's going to happen to Vulcan now? (laughs) <laughs> Thankfully, someone suggests that this technology can does not exist here, but it will in the future. And that Nero yes. is from the future. And all actions that Nero has taken, we cannot predict that, that they suggest that Nero knows what's going to happen. Right. But he says, yeah. no, because ever since he arrived 20 whatever years ago, things have been different. So the timeline has changed. And so this is a different timeline. Right. And all of, so calm down, all of the nerds, nerds went, oh, yay. And they started rubbing themselves. I can enjoy it. I can enjoy it. <laughs> it's oh, a different quantum reality. Honey, squeeze my nipples for the rest of this. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, fine. Great. Whatever you need to tell yourselves, you fucking insufferable nerds. <laughs> anyway, Vulcan goes away. And so, Vulcan goes bye bye. Right. And so now it's Captain Spock, and he's like, We've got to rejoin the rest of the fleet to figure out what to do. And Kirk is like, No, 
Pike said that we have we, to go after Nero. We have to go after Nero. We, Pike said to come and rescue him, and Spock's like, yeah. "That's stupid, and you're stupid." And Kirk is like, <laughs> "No, you're stupider for not listening to me." And he's like, "Get this no rank asshole off my bridge." <laughs> Um, oh, that's right. Because he was given, he was given first, he was first officer when Pike left. Pike, yeah, Pike made, Pike promoted Kirk to first officer. Mm-hmm. But then uh, what yeah. happens is, um, he he says, "Get Kirk off my bridge," and Kirk wants to fight people, and then he gets a Vulcan neck pinch, and then he says, "Get him off the ship." Yeah, and so they put him shoot his ass into space. They shot him in. They didn't shoot him into space. They shoot a, shot him into yeah. one of Vulcan's moons that don't exist. Um, into a planet, well, yeah, or at least, uh, yeah. It's again, it's you. You just have to kind of go with it. Spock said Vulcan has no moon. I know, but it may, maybe it's a moon. Maybe it's another planet in the system that just happens to be so super close to Vulcan <laughs> that it, that uh, Spock Prime can watch the uh, yeah. planet. Whatever. Kirk, He's got really good eyesight. Kirk gets down on the planet. He gets chased around by some monsters. And then a guy comes up with a, a torch because it's a frozen ice planet. And he yeah. shoos them away. And then Jim Kirk is like, who are you? And he's like, I am Spock. And he's like, no, you're not. And he says, yes, I am here. I'm going to do a mind he's like, melt. No, I wrote a book I wrote called a book. I Am Spock. I am Spock. <laughs> After the book that I wrote called I Am Not Spock. I changed my mind. That's Some right. shit happened I in did. between, okay? I lost money. I ran out of money. And- <laughs> <laughs> I ran out of money. And actually, I am Spock. <laughs> anyway, um, Kirk's like, nah. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to show you what happened with a, with a exposition mind meld. Yay. Okay, so what happened? Okay, so old Spock comes from the 24th century when there was a star that was going supernova. That for some reason was a threat to the entire galaxy. How? So this was like a big, I don't know. Okay. Big, I think that the, the writers of the comic books came up with some contrivance to explain how it was different. But anyway, um, so and one of the planets threatened was the Romulan homeworld. Mm-hmm. So Spock says, don't worry, I'll fix it. I'll get some red matter, which is the stuff that makes black holes. And you just give me a little ship and I'll fly into the supernova and make a black hole in the middle Why of it. Why do it'll we suck have out. a it'll... bunch of stuff that makes black holes? Hey, shut up. (laughs) So, but I'll make a black hole in the middle of the supernova before it, and suck it all into the black hole before it gets to Romulus. So everything will be fine, except Spock was a little late. Yeah. And it destroyed Romulus. And Nero was right there and saw his planet get destroyed. And as a result of that, he is a little mad at Spock. How did Nero see his planet get destroyed and not get destroyed himself? I don't know. He was just kind of right there. Okay. Anyway, he was like, "Ah, that sucks." So, um, so Spock, but Spock shot out the red matter and created the black hole anyway. Just it was too late to save Romulus. So, they Spock's ship and Nero's ship both get pulled into the black hole, and instead of just crushing them or whatever, it threw them back in time. That's right. Nero's ship went in first. Right. So he came into the past, as we saw in, in the first scene that destroyed the Kelvin, and then Spock showed up about 20 years later. 25 years later, he showed 25 up. 25 years later, yeah. And then Nero caught him, and he said, we're not going to kill you. I'm going to destroy. I'm going to destroy the your home planet. I'm going to make you watch it and see how you like it. And I'm going to strand you on this planet so you have to watch it. And then we're going to destroy all the Federation planets. 
Because we have nothing else to do. <laughs> also, in cutscenes, we apparently got captured by the Klingons for a long time. Yeah. That's where they supposedly were for 25 years. Mm. They were in a Klingon prison. Yeah. Right. But that doesn't count because. That's not was, in the actual movie. It was cut out of the movie. Anyway, yeah. so that's it. And then, and then they're sitting around a fire and Spock's like, you have to go and you have to go help Spock because you guys are best friends. Or we are best friends. It gets confusing. Anyway, you have to go yeah. back. And he's like, he's not my friend. And he's like, not yet, dummy. Didn't I already tell you? <laughs> I'm from the future, Jesus. I'm from Do I have the to mime up with you again? But we got to go to something so convenient that it made my eyes roll out of my head. But we're going to go. <laughs> You'll never believe who else happens to be on this planet. And who happens to be on the planet? Montgomery Scott. Yeah, Scotty. And, Scotty. and why is he stuck on this station on an ice moon surrounding Vulcan? He's been punished because of an experiment he did that made <laughs> Admiral Archer's beagle disappear. That's right. And he hasn't come back yet. Nope. He, I do feel bad about that. Uh, do you really? You, you cared that much about Porthos? You really uh, cared it, that or, much? Or, or, or whoever that beagle happened to be. You don't think it's the same? Porth- you don't think it's the same? Porthos dog? the fourth. Porthos <laughs> the fifth. Well, the Enterprise was like 100 years ago by this point. Like, it's not the same dog. It's probably not the same Admiral Archer. You don't think it's the same Admiral Archer? It could be. I mean, it's Star Trek. Who knows? But, I mean, the time the time frame makes it, like, Ad Archer would have to be like 150 years old or something. No, I mean, he could be about 80, 90. No, he couldn't. He was there for the formation of the Federation. Enterprise takes place in twenty one in the twenty one fifties. Okay, this is the twenty two fifties. Oh yeah, he'd have to be. Super it's over a hundred years later. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense either. I hate now, this. Now yeah, again, even remember. More. Now again, remember who you're talking oh, to. Geez. I don't give a shit. Yeah, you do. I don't give a shit. You do give but, a shit. <laughs> no, I really don't. I don't. It's a brave I, I, front. I'm, it's I'm, okay. I'm, I'm willing. I'm willing to say. I'm willing to go with it. And just say, yeah, whatever. Maybe it's the same Admiral Archer. Maybe it's not. Sure, Who cares? Yeah. But yeah. Who cares? If you anyway. Want to be stickly. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, Montgomery Scott comes up with something that should change everything for everyone everywhere. <laughs> but it doesn't. But it doesn't. He has transwarp beaming, in which you can beam someone from one place to another. You don't even need any of those pesky, pesky ships. In fact, they do it in the next movie. That's right. Where someone beams from Earth to <laughs> the Klingon homeworld. All the way to the Klingon homeworld, yeah. Yep. It's a neat trick. It's a neat trick, and I don't know if anyone was thinking about it too much, but apparently it's a portable portable device. Apparently. You can just keep it in your pocket. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, Spock tells him he's invents it, then he puts in the calculations, and now, and now Montgomery Scott and... Kirk are both going back to the Enterprise. And yes. Spock is staying there because the other Spock has to find his own destiny or some shit. I don't know. Sure. Something like that. And and so they beam back over to the ship. There's some hijinks in the engine room because apparently they have a whole lot of water on board that they need moved around. And yep. it's, it's 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 for the cooling system. But we get Montgomery Scott out of those tubes, and then they run up to the bridge. And what Spock told Kirk to do was that he is in an emotionally, this what did he say? He's emotionally compromised. He's emotionally compromised, and he's got to get um, Spock to show it. So he insults his mom because that's what you do. 
That's and it works. And it works. And Spock almost kills him while no one does anything. <laughs> Spock puts a whooping on him. And he's standing there choking him for a long time. And then his dad goes, Spock. And he goes, he turns, to the, he, turns, <laughs> he turns to McCoy and he says, I'm emotionally upset. I'm going to leave now. And now, by default, I guess, Kirk is now the captain of the Enterprise. Because he was the first officer. That's right. Spock has a little talk with his dad where his dad admits that he loved his mom because Spock is dealing with a whole bunch of anger about the destruction of his planet, the death of his mother. Yeah. We also have a scene in there where Uhura steps into the elevator and we see them get all kissy face because they're apparently dating or whatever. Yeah. And then... Oh, God. And then Spock comes back to the bridge and he's fine. He, he took a minute. <laughs> And he's okay now. But uh oh, Spaghettios back on the back on the um, on Nero's ship. He took one of them bugs from Star Trek Two, and he stuck it in in Pike's mouth to get him to tell him the, all of the security codes for Earth. Right for Earth, yeah. Because he's gonna blow up Earth next. And so then they come up with some techno babble so that they can sneak up on Nero's ship, right? Right. Right. Right, they hide behind Saturn or something. Yeah, and yeah. then they're going to use that long-distance beaming to get them on board Nero's ship. And they get, so it's Spock and Kirk, and they're going in there, and they they shoot a bunch of guys, and there's fighting, and then they, they free Pike, and then Spock gets into the Spock's ship, the old Spock, Spock Prime's ship, and it calls him by name, <laughs> and, and this Spock is starting to suspect a whole bunch of stuff, but he's not saying anything. Right? And then, yeah. I don't know, it just ends. <laughs> <laughs> yada, yada, yada. What What happens? What does he do? Uh, um, well, they remember the Nero sees Spock's ship has escaped. Right. So he, fi- he fires on Spock's ship, which has all that red matter in it. Oh, and also, at some point, they, they, they warp away from Earth. Like, Spock jumps into warp in his little ship and flies away, and Nero chases after him, so it gets them away from Earth. Right. Um, and then they, he, Nero blows up Spock's little ship that has all that red matter in it, so it creates this big black hole. It should and create the biggest black hole ever. <laughs> it should they're, be like, it should just devour everything, but whatever. Taking, Again, like the tiniest amount to create black holes that can destroy planets. Yeah. This thing is the biggest, most scariest yeah. tetherball or clown it's, nose yeah. that you've it's ever like seen. It's like the size... It's like the size of a humongous beach ball. It's like one of it's like one of those guardians from the prisoner, except red. Yes, except it's red. Um, and so it, it creates this massive black hole, and it pulls Nero's ship in, and the mm. Enterprise just barely manages to escape. All right. Um, and uh, they they hail Nero, and Kirk is like, "Hey, Nero, do you need some help?" And Nero's like, "Fuck you." So Kirk's like, "Okay, All have right, it your way." Thanks, and, asshole. Yeah. <laughs> And Nero gets pulled, in, his ship gets pulled into the black hole and he dies. Mm-hmm. 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 And then they go back to Earth and Starfleet's like, hey, Kirk, thanks a lot. Do you you're, want the Enterprise? You're captain now. <laughs> He's like, okay. And we get to see, we get to see, uh, you know, second place Pike in a wheelchair. Yes, because in a wheelchair. Because, not, like the not beep a, chair. Not a beep chair, but a wheelchair, no? yes. 
And he's like, congratulations, I, I'm relieved, whatever. They say something, I don't know. And he says, I relieve you, sir, and Pike says, I am relieved. And then yeah. Spock meets Spock, and Spock is going back to Vulcan, and Spock is okay. He, he tells other, <laughs> he tells Spock to stay and and do, because these are your friends. You, you wanted yeah. them to be your friends. Oh, that's right. You'll never be married, and you'll never be in love. Anyway, bye. <laughs> bye, have a good life. Right, you know, to bring if she even exists in this one, yeah, don't don't bet on that. <laughs> don't get attached. I'm just gonna say that That's and right. leave it be. Anyway, bye bye <laughs> bye bye, and then we're on board the Enterprise, right? Yep, yep. And everybody's there, and then they take off, and then we hear we hear Prime Spock do the boldly go speech. Yep, and they take off. The, and oh yeah, it wouldn't be a J.J. Abrams space movie or any movie if we didn't have a frenetic jerking back and forth to a whole bunch of planets. For oh, that's right, for the end credits, yeah. It's the same yeah. thing you did in the X-Men movies, except now it's planets. And the end. The end. So Steve. Yes. Tell me how you feel about this remake. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Because if they didn't have someone step in and say, you know, the fans are going to freak the fuck out if you do this. And the only the only value that uh, this franchise has is the fan base. If you piss them off, this will never get off the ground. But I'm sure that there was originally it was just going to be a restart. I bet you anything. Mm-hmm. It'll probably start well, sure. out as yeah. a restart. How do you feel about this reboot, not really alt dimension Star Trek? Star Trek 2009. I think it's great. I love it. Mm. Um, yeah, so yeah, but you you mentioned a couple of things there that I want to talk about before I get too deep into the review because like um, it is a reboot and also a prequel and also a sequel kind of all rolled into oh, one. Oh yeah. Um, and it also like if if you're someone like I'm sure you know a lot of this already. You probably know all of this. And if, if people who are like hardcore Star Trek fans um, know this, but there's a lot of what made it into this movie that were ideas that had been floating around for a while. Yep. You know, like you mentioned, like going back, even back to Gene Roddenberry in the nineties wanted to do uh, a young Kirk show, you know, and this is a little bit of that Um, before they greenlit this movie, uh, J. Michael Straczynski pitched a reboot of Star Trek to Paramount that would have been a TV series, no. but, but would have been a similar kind of thing, you know, young versions of Kirk and Spock and McCoy, et cetera, played by new actors, um, setting off on adventures. Yep. Uh, so, and th- this is a little, it's kind of the same thing there. Um, there's a space, there's a, an orbital skydive, which was a scene they cut out of Star Trek generations mm-hmm. that they put back in here. There's a bunch of Romulan stuff. And for whatever reason in the late nineties and early two thousands, Star Trek writers and producers just went fucking nuts for Romulans. Um, yeah. So, you know, there's it's 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 new and it's a reboot, but it has a lot of ideas in it that are sort of taken from other <laughs> projects that had been floating around for a while. Um, so, but yeah, I I I I love this movie. I've <clears throat> I've liked it since the first time I saw it. So, I'm gonna make two statements that I think might be controversial to some. Oh God. The the first is. I think this is a very good movie, and specifically a very good Star Trek movie. That's not controversial. And but for, to, to some people, it is. And the second one, and this is, I think, the real controversial one. I think J.J. Abrams is a very good director. And I will elaborate. 
Turn, um, turn, turn your camera. Off. I think, <laughs> I think he's a good director. Okay. Most of the problems that people have with his work are writing problems. Sure. And as a writer, he does have some very bad habits. He's he's way too attached to puzzle box filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Um, he sometimes seems more concerned with trying to outsmart the audience than with telling a story. Yep. Um, he does. He especially in films he made after this one, but in this one to an extent as well. He he is willing to indulge a little too much in fan servicey stuff. Um, but purely as a director. I think he's excellent. And I think this is an excellently directed movie. There are some gorgeous shots throughout. Uh, He knows where to put his camera. He knows how to move the camera. Camera movements are fluid and they always add to the effect of the scene rather than detracting or distracting from it. His action sequences are nicely staged and exciting for the most part. There is one big exception to that that I'll mention, but, um, Mm-hmm. And he gives his actor and he gives his actors room to act and consequently gets some very good performances out of them. And even though this movie is ridiculous in many ways, he gives the movie, he gives the film a tactile reality that no previous Star Trek film really has. As crazy as the dimensions of the Enterprise are, as ridiculous as it is that it has this massive engine room you know, as as weird as the the spatial the spatial relationships within the ship are, sure. In a, on a on a moment to moment basis or a scene by scene basis, there's a physical reality to this movie that I don't really find in any other Star Trek movie. Even and it's not the best Star Trek movie, but it's the one that feels the most real on a visceral level. Um, and I think one of the reasons why that happens is because Abrams finds little details to stick into these scenes that we can recognize and relate to. And I'll give one example of that. When uh, Captain Robau at the very beginning goes into his shuttlecraft that he's going to fly onto Nero's ship, Mm -hmm. uh, he's getting onto the shuttle and he passes through one of those plastic curtains Mm -hmm. like they have, like hanging, that hang like in front of freezers, right? Sure. I've always loved that detail. Why? Because I know what it feels like to walk through one of those curtains. I do too when you go into a freezer. Is he going into a freezer? That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. It doesn't what matter. What is that, that he's plastic drape protecting them from? It, that that. But see, that's not the point. The point is, yes. I have no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> I, I I have no idea what its function is. I have no idea why it's there. Sure. When I see that scene, when I see that scene, I don't worry about why it's there. The important thing to me is I know what it feels like to walk through one of those, and because I do, it grounds that scene in a reality that I can understand on a, on a visceral level. Okay. Um, when Sulu takes the enterprise to warp, he has a throttle that he pushes. Yeah. You know, it's a physical thing. Abrams understands that if you, if you show the characters doing physical things that we can recognize and understand, instead of just having them push buttons all the time, it makes it feel more real. It makes it physical and kinetic, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a little thing, but I think it adds up to a, to a big difference, you know, especially if you compare it, to TNG era Star Trek, which I love, but which has so many episodes that turn on characters sitting at a computer console and just tapping their fingers they, on a touchscreen. They have no manual controls for anything. No, there's no, everything is computerized. Um, so he reinvents Star Trek while keeping it recognizably Star Trek. 
And that brings me to the, the other statement I made, which is this is specifically a good Star Trek movie. When this movie first opened, a common reaction to it was people saying, well, sure, it's a good movie. It's a fun sci-fi movie, but it doesn't feel like a Star Trek movie. And in a way, I get that. But in another way, I don't. It does feel different from other Star Trek movies, um, which was the point. They wanted it to feel different from other Star Trek movies. Mm -hmm. And it does in a lot of ways. It's faster paced. It's more action forward. Like you mentioned a couple of times, it's way more emotionally intense. Everything is supercharged. Uh, the cast is mostly people in their twenties and thirties instead of their forties and fifties. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that, I'm, I'm not saying that one is any better than the other. I'm it's just saying ages, that's a big difference. Fine. That's, that's, <laughs> I'm just saying old people shouldn't be allowed to be in movies. That's right. That's um, why they put Greenwood in a wheelchair where he belongs. He's an old fucker. Exactly. He's a, he's, he's an oldie. <laughs> Get, you can't be walking around. That's right. Um, anyway, but, but, but Star Trek movies, Star Trek movies in the past before this have had fast paced scenes and they've, and there have been big action set pieces and there sure. have been emotional and there have been emotionally intense scenes. So none of that is new to Star Trek. It's just that in this, the volume is turned up. Um, another common reaction to the movie at the time was it feels more like Star Wars than Star Trek. And I don't really, I don't really get that one especially watching it this time. When I watched the movie this time, the only scene that felt like it should have been in a Star Wars movie was that scene with Kirk being chased by the big red monster on Delta Vega. Okay. That, feel, that feels like a Star Wars movie. Um, and it, feel, it does feel like it was shot for a Star Wars movie and then they accidentally spliced it into their Star Trek movie. But everything else feels like Star Trek to me. I don't know what to tell you. Like it, 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 it has a, a, a newer, more modern paint job. You know, it's a lot brighter and slicker and shinier but it's still Star Trek. I think um, it was its focus on space battles, fighting and punching yeah. and kicking and fighting and punching. It's an action scene. And yeah. fighting it's, and kicking and blowing up and things like that. And crying and making crying. the audience cry. Sure. Abram, he does that thing where let's break the audience's heart in the first scene. Let's rip everybody's hearts out of their chest in the first scene, and then we'll have the movie. Like I did didn't with... get that upset. I didn't know those fucking people. Uh, I mean, I didn't get. I wasn't like that upset either. But it, it's that. It's that kind of a scene. It's like I mean, the fucking oh, score yeah. mm -hmm. is like a Daggio for strings. The the music is absolutely just wrenching. Oh yeah. Um, it's like super sad, and then it's like time for Star Trek. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But so no, it's not. It's not the best Star Trek movie. And it's not perfect. Sometimes the intensity goes overboard. You know, like everything has to be turned up to the to the to eleven. Uh, when he's a little kid, Kirk can't just steal the car. He has to drive it off a cliff. You know, yeah, and while listening and, to and the Beastie Boys, while listening to the Beastie Boys, and jump out just in time and pull himself up the cliff. You know what I mean? Um, the 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 action scene that I mentioned earlier that I feel like is an action scene that doesn't work and that they don't need is that scene right after they beam back onto the ship with Kirk and Scotty, where Scotty gets trapped in the tubes. Oh, sure. That just, that just feels like, all right, come on, we're wasting time. Like we don't need this. It's that, it's that, it's that we need an action scene every 10 minutes mentality that is evident in a lot of Hollywood stuff. Like every mm -hmm. 10 pages, we need an action beat. And it's like, okay, but do you really like, can't we just get him to the bridge? Like, come on, we're, we need to get this show moving. Time's right? a waste and um, they're torturing Time's a waste. Yeah, and exactly. <laughs> and there is definitely a Muppet Babies vibe to the whole thing. Sure. You know, hey, would you look at that? Kirk met McCoy on the shuttle to Starfleet. Hey. It's not, over, you know, it's and, not overplayed, though. 
It's no, it's not a, it's not a big deal, but it's definitely there. And it's like, oh, wouldn't you know it? All these characters on that were on Star Trek together, they've known each other since they were in their early twenties. How about that? Who would have thought? Um, but you're right. It's not a, that's it's not a big deal. Um, you know, and there's the fact that because they do want this to be a reboot and a prequel, but they also want to get everybody into their familiar spots by the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of. There are some plot contrivances, you know, so that it ends up that, oh, Kirk is in Kirk is the captain and Spock is the first officer and Bones is the chief medical officer and Scotty's the chief engineer. Everybody's where they're supposed to be by the end, even though that's a little bit of a stretch. But it's like, uh-huh. eh, whatever. Um, so but I mean, none of these are problems that really make me not like the movie. You know, there are little things that I notice and that I think, eh, but it, it doesn't really affect my overall opinion of the movie. Uh, the cast is terrific. I think Chris Pine is an awesome Captain Kirk. Yeah. He, and he has only, and he has only grown on me since this movie. Um, Zachary Quinto is a great Spock. You mentioned earlier, Carl Urban is a fucking awesome Dr. McCoy. And the rest of the cast are all, terrific and they and they each get their moment in the movie to shine which is nice because the classic trek movies didn't always do that nope they were really good they were really good to kirk and spock they were pretty good to bones everybody else well maybe scotty will get a scene maybe he won't maybe uhura will get a scene maybe she won't you know it was it was not nearly that even Mm -hmm. um eric banna is great as nero and i like how he does little things through his performance to let us know that Nero is a little crazy. Yep. You know, like the, his plan is kind of crazy, but that's okay because Nero is a little crazy. He saw his planet get blowed up and then he got thrown a hundred years back in time and he's a little crazy. <laughs> um, you know, like that, that, he, he kind of just tortured by Klingons for 25 and years. Then he, appar- like apparently, yeah. <laughs> apparently he was tortured by Klingons, whether we want to consider that as actually happened in the movie or not. Uh, yeah. He's a little crazy. So if his, if his, choices don't always make sense cut him some slack he's been through some shit um and of course let's talk about bruce greenwood as captain pike (laughs) i agree with you that anson mount is the best pike okay Mm. let's just get that out there i agree with you that anson mount is the best pike um but to everybody who considers anson mount's pike the best Pike or considers Anson Mount's Pike to be one of their favorite Star Trek captains to all of those people and to Anson Mount, Bruce Greenwood says, you're welcome because he started that because he started that shit before this movie. Captain Pike was a stiff in an unaired pilot and a dude in a beep chair with a fucked up face. (laughs) And now he's the man. Thank you, Bruce Greenwood. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm, that's that's really that's about it. So I, happy when they fridge him in the next one. Yeah, you know what? At least they made it count. <laughs> At least they made it count. Um, Gun down like so a anyway, coward yeah. in a brief. <laughs> hiding, hiding like a cowardly human. Um, but yeah, I mean, stylistically, it feels like the filmmakers said, "Let's pretend that everything after Star Trek: The Original Series didn't happen, mm-hmm. and just make and just make a movie as though we are just making a direct adapt adaptation of of classic Trek." Sure, that's a lot of what it feels like, and and that's what that's what I liked about it the first time I saw it, and that's what I like about it today. So, yeah, I I think it's terrific. Your turn. Okay, I like it. I like the movie a lot, actually. I, in fact, it's close to a lot. I love the movie. Not as much mm-hmm. as Beyond. 
because I saw some oh, of no. the I saw some of the inherent problems, and one of them was, you know, it really does feel like it was made by people who know the bare minimum of Star Trek, right? Mm-hmm. Now phasers, transporters, Spock, you know, the characters' names, and I guess they didn't really need to take on anything else on board. And so they're playing really fast and loose, and and they gave themselves the great excuse: this is a different timeline, this is a different yeah. reality, so everyone can calm down, and that's fine. I think that's <laughs> I think that's great. I think that you know they at least bothered to recognize that there may be a whole fan base where if they presented this, no, this is Star Trek now, and the rest of it does didn't happen, they would lose their fan base, and they would lose that audience. So at least they were being smart about. Do I think that it's a Star Trek movie? Yes, I do. It's just different. Mm. It's just different. I can see why people are a little upset because its focus is on action, right? Its focus is on punching and kicking and shooting, which is fine. It's, it's an adventure. This is an adventure movie. I wish we could get more scenes of them thinking their way out of a problem, but we don't. You know, Kirk has a hunch, and it turns out his hunches are always correct. Right, I have. We're gonna be. We're gonna show up there, and there's gonna be. It's an attack. I can guarantee it. And everyone's like, "Well, thanks. We're going anyway, so it doesn't really matter." Um, I think all the performances are great. I think the people who who are playing these characters are doing an excellent job. I agree with you with uh, about Chris Pine. I really wish that they had Chris Pine show up in that last episode of Strange New Worlds as Kirk. Oh boy. Really blow people's heads oh, off. Just God, the, their minds would have exploded. <laughs> Wait, what does this mean? <laughs> I think he's a great Kirk. And I think yeah. uh, Quinto is, is a really good Spock. I think they all applied themselves really, really well. And, and, you know, what was important was that the relationships with each other. It's really too bad that as a franchise, they really didn't get to that until the last movie. Yeah. Because they were too busy in the second movie aping Wrath of Khan and yeah. producing garbage. I really did not like that movie. <laughs> um, whereas it should have been more development of the characters and their relationships with each other. Um, because this first movie is really just an introduction to everything, right? Mm-hmm. And not only is it an introduction to Star Trek, it's an introduction to the old Trek as well, because we have old Spock walking around all over the place. And... Yeah. So it's it's remaining consistent with the established canon. Yes, there's a lot of stuff that could potentially upset everyone, but they got smart and they delineated that complaint completely out. Now what's down to it is, did you think it was a good Star Trek movie? And I think, yeah, it's a good Star Trek movie. It's more muscle than it is brains. Mm-hmm. There's not really a lesson for anyone to learn. And hey, it's a revenge plot, which they're going to repeat. Get used to that. Yeah. <laughs> because apparently that's all they could write for the next two films was revenge stories. But I think it has good action, good character development. It gives all of the characters a moment or two to show different aspects of their personality. Not everybody, right? Scotty doesn't get a whole lot of character development. In fact, he's he's more like comic relief at this point um, in the, in the series. Um, But everyone else does. Unfortunately, Uhura is turned into a girlfriend, and that needed to change. She was, I mean, she she has skills, but her first or- opening argument was complaining that she wasn't put on the Enterprise because Spock didn't want his girlfriend on the Enterprise, right? right. 
So all of a sudden, all of her motivations and everything else is her as a girlfriend instead of a fucking officer on the bridge of the Enterprise. And that's, you know, a lot of people are like, well, no, her and Spock, that doesn't make any sense. It was, there was a gentle implication of that in the original series. In, in, the, in the man trap, in the first episode ever broadcast, that's there was right. a flirtation between them. So Sure. Yeah. But, I mean, in this one, the problem I have with it is that it kind of took all of the competencies for Uhura and turned her into girlfriend support. Every time we cut to her, she's looking at Spock. The one scene that she has is with Spock, where she's trying to comfort him. Mm-hmm. She doesn't go on any of the away missions. She doesn't get to punch or kick or do any of that stuff. So she's just stuck on the bridge, basically telling him what she's heard on the communications thing. If she's not, you know, looking sympathetically at Spock because he's having a really bad day. <laughs> so would I have liked to have seen something with Uhura doing something super competent, just like everyone else got a chance to be super competent at? Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. That would be cool. She keeps talking about how great she is, but we never really get to witness that. So, um, but other than that, I love the movie. I thought it was great and I still watch it. I own it. It's it's in there. I don't consider it not Star Trek. Um, and I'm the one that likes canon a lot more than Steve does. Or, or actually, Steve doesn't care at all. So, the, you know, my default, even if I cared about it a little <laughs> bit, it would still be more than Steve does. Um, but I thought it was good. I wish they could have, you know, stuck to it in the in the next film. And I and I'm kind of disappointed to see that they finally got everything together in the last one. And yeah, Beyond that, is the best one. Beyond yeah. is the best one out of the three. Beyond is fantastic. Yeah, and um, unfortunately, I think at that point we had started to get started. Had we gotten Star Trek back on TV yet, or streaming? The, the year the year after Beyond came out was when Discovery debuted. So it was okay. Beyond came right before the the streaming show started. Okay. So, and, but I mean, as far as the aesthetic and everything else, it doesn't bother me. The ship doesn't look like the ship on the TV show. That doesn't bother me. You know how they got away with a lot of it? The sound effects. Yes. The sound effects of the stuff on the ship were the sound effects they use in the original series. Yeah. And so when, when you went to Red Alert, when doors would open, when doors would close, the, just the bridge, the ambient bridge sounds and Brother, I know the ambient bridge sounds of the goddamn ship. <laughs> oh, I bet you do. <laughs> You've become intimately acquainted. acquainted that's right. Um, but and that's also, a, we, yeah. we we didn't men- we didn't mention this, but the the end credits is a um, is based on the, uh, the 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 original TV series opening theme. Yes, it is. Which is the first movie to do that to to fully reorchestrate the mm-hmm. you know the classic Trek theme from the TV the, show, the classic one, and they use it again in the yeah. others. Yeah. Um, which is nice to hear. So, uh, Steve, classic? Yes. Oh, yes, I think so. A classic. Yeah, yeah me too. I, I, think it's, I think it's been, for the most part, accepted into the canon, right? I think so too. Um, all they need to do is get the stars to start showing up at TrekCon. I don't, uh, well, hey, it's right here. In Las Vegas? You know, if, it's, 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 it's moolah. If I'm Chris Pine and they want me to show up at a Star Trek convention, I'm like, you put money in my they'll, pocket, they'll I will show up wherever they'll, you want. They'll get him eventually. Yeah, well, once the career starts going downhill, same yeah. thing happened with Shatner. Shatner uh-huh. never went to the Shatner never went to conventions for 30, 40 years. Shatner barely ever went to a convention. That's right. As soon as he hits, soon as he started hitting seventy and eighty, and the TV roles started to dry up a little, he was like, you know, maybe I'll go to some conventions. 
That's right, classic as well. So now is the time where we not recommend something. <gasps> yeah. Steve, do you have a not recommend something? Oh, I do. I sure do. Okay, go for so, it. So my not recommend is another attempt to reboot a classic 1960s sci-fi series on the big screen. This one didn't work out so well, though. Okay. This is a movie. This is a movie from 1998 called Lost in Space. Oh, you've already not recommended this one, but it's okay. <laughs> it's I know I was I, I think I was I was down I was down to two movies that I was pretty sure I had already not recommended. The other one was the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes. Okay. Um, but both dog shit movies that nobody needs to see for any reason. But the thing about the um, the Lost in Space movie, which weirdly enough. I just realized was also written by Akiva Goldsman. Would you wow. have ever, would you have ever thought in the nineties? Cause Akiva Goldsman up until he started doing Star Trek stuff a few years ago, I would have said Akiva Goldsman was the worst screenwriter I knew of who had ever achieved like significant success in Hollywood. And now he's, he wrote, yeah, yeah. And, and, and he, he's not only is he doing Star Trek, but he's good. Like sure. his Star Trek shows are the best ones of the new stuff. Like he, well, he did Picard, but, eh. but I mean, he's, he's the, he's, he's doing strange new worlds, which is by far the best of the new shows. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what, who would have thought that fucking Akiva Goldsman would turn out to be like this, this great Star Trek writer and show. Mm -hmm. But, but he wrote lost in space, this movie, it's absolutely terrible. Um, it looked bad when it came out and I remember when the movie came out in 98, I was 18 and me and my best friend at the time went to see this movie for the sole reason of making fun of it in the theater. Mm -hmm. And we went to see it and we went to a screening where we were like the only people there. And I started making fun of it and like cracking little jokes. And my friend was too chicken shit to talk <laughs> back at the movie and to make jokes. <laughs> and the moral of that story is we no longer speak. Not specifically because of that, but I'm just saying, you know. No. We know, like. No. But anyway. It's, but anyway. it's when he tried to run over your grandma. It was the, it was the beginning. Yeah. That was, that was the main thing. But this was the beginning of the end. This was the beginning of the end. And he wouldn't uh, join you I, in making fun of a movie out loud in a movie. He, he wouldn't join me in making fun of a movie out loud in the theater. And I was like, you know what? I think I need to reevaluate some things. No wonder life. we're best friends, because uh, that's all we do, is make fun of movies. <laughs> make Make fun of movies. Um, but yeah, my not recommend is like a good cast. William Hurt, Gary Oldman. Like it's, it's sure. a good cast, you know, uh, Mimi Rogers. Like it's nothing wrong with it on paper, but Jesus Christ is a terrible. So <laughs> uh, my, my not recommend is the 1998 big screen version of Lost in Space. My not recommend is Transformers Revenge of the Fallen that came out oh. the same year as this movie did. Shit, Ouch. they're slumping all of the Transformers movies. <laughs> Let's just say the Transformers movie. Fuck it. The entire series. I don't understand how these movies keep being made. They're just garbage. Do they're I, bad. I know I watched it, but I couldn't tell you what the, what the fucking plot was because I was just angry and bored watching the entire thing going, what is going on with this? With this? And again, who do we fixate on? The stupid kid. Why? It's called Transformers. Why aren't we following the Transformers? Right. It's same, not a Godzilla movie. Same. It's a Transformers movie. <laughs> so, yeah, don't watch it. Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen. It's made by a lot of the same people who made this movie. Believe it or That's not. That's true. 
Um, but it's not good. It's not fun. And, and if another Transformers... It, it, it took them seven bites of the apple before they made Bumblebee. And then I didn't even <laughs> see that. I still haven't because by seen that, it. Because by that point, you were you were out. You were like, I'm not I'm doing saying, this. I'm not, fuck you. I'm not trusting you again. <laughs> I'm not going back to see this again. <laughs> That's it. Hey, Steve. Yes. Yes, my friend. You know what time it is? I do know what time it is. What time is it? Well, it's time for me to make a terrible choice. But Except also. You're not going to have to make a terrible choice this time. Because our next episode comes out in the magical month of October. You finally said it, the magical <laughs> month of October. That's right. It's me, motherfuckers. I'm back. <laughs> Blair. Where are you? You better get your voice on ice. I'm, I, am, I, am right, I am right here, Master. Of course, I have never left your side. Hello, you movie freaks. Well, it's October, and you know what that <laughs> means. We do spooky movies. But apparently Jason fucked up with his fan base, and he didn't read everybody. So he, he mentioned this at the beginning. I'm going to mention it again at the end. Normally, what would happen is that we would have three movies that Steve would have to select from. But because Jason feels so bad for missing everyone else's suggestions for the listener's choice. He noticed that one movie, one spooky movie, had two votes. And he said, why not throw them another bone? And so he has decided that he's going to take those two suggestions. And that's going to be the next movie in our first spooky movie in October. So oh, I can't wait. I can't okay. wait to hear what Ready? it is. All right. Okay. Yes. This movie can be spooky. <laughs> or You're it can selling me on it pretty hard. <laughs> be strange, the movie that we're going to review for our first Halloween spooky thing is House from 1977. Ooh. The Japanese horror movie. Have you seen it, Steve? I have never seen it, no. I have. Boy, that's a freak out. Anyway. It's a little bit of a deep cut. It's definitely <laughs> going to be an interesting recap. I'll tell you that much. Oh, boy. I would like to thank the two people who agreed, to, who both voted for this, <laughs> which is Robin's Nest and Sir Alistair Octopus Supports Your Union. And, <laughs> and that's what we're going to do. So the first spooky movie in October is going to be house 1977 Ooh. and for all the people who who have put in the record their suggestions for the listener's choice it's not going to be on this one but on the next the second one in october god he fucked this up good didn't he in the second <laughs> one in october you will then hear what the selection will be for the first episode in november for the next listener's choice Oh, and now it's time for the elixir. And that's it. <laughs> ah, all right. Thank you guys for listening in once again for late seating. This is Jason Harding and go see a movie this week. And this is Steve Shives. I'm going to leave you with a little thought that comes to us from what Leonard Nimoy said to movie producers in 1982. I want Spock dead now. <laughs> Well, okay. Uh, how do you See, want him to die? That... Jesus. I'd like a death scene, actually. Oh, okay. Well, how about this? Um, we, cut to, we cut to Kirk. We cut to you. You look at Kirk. We cut back okay. to Kirk. And when okay. he, we cut back to you, you're gone.
No explanation. You're just dead now. How did I die? We don't know. You're just gone. That's an awful when lot someone, of... Here's what we do. We were trying to use existing footage for Star Trek Two, Leonard, so uh, we sure. just... You know what? We'll have someone ADR. Oh, no, Spock died. That's... It's just that when you describe the scene, there's an awful lot of shots of Kirk. Wait a minute. Let me pull this rubber mask off. Stop! Shatner, I knew it was you. Leonard, I'm just trying to make the film the best it can be. Don't make me do Kirk. Please don't make me do Kirk. <laughs> Please. Please. Okay. I, I am so much more comfortable doing a sleazy Hollywood producer than trying to do Kirk. You just... You, okay, let me let me pull that Michael Myers mask off. Oh, I was wrong. It wasn't Shatner at all. It was a sleazy Hollywood producer. It's Harv Bennett. It's Harv Bennett. The guy who saved Star Trek, but who is a sleaze in this skit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he really did want to die in it, right? I yeah. How yeah long, he wanted out. How long did he live with that with that decision? I, I think, think until they I think until they said you want to direct the next one. I don't know if that's what happened or if he realized he had no sudden jobs coming towards him. I think it was probably it was probably that. And also remember, uh, Star Trek Two was a big hit. So I yeah, think there might have been a there might have been a little bit of you know actually the work isn't coming as much as I hoped and also oh I might have jumped off of this at the exactly wrong time right <laughs> like the, we it just sp- it it just got popular and they killed me off we Uh-oh. gotta spend an entire movie bringing me back to life <laughs> that I will direct <laughs> well he directs that one and then he directs the fucking and he, whale and one he directs he directs Star Trek four yeah so mm-hmm. not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Anyway, that's it. Thanks, everybody. (laughs) Bye, everybody. When we start talking about Star Trek, this is going to be a nine-hour podcast. I know. We've been talking about Star Trek the whole time. Yeah, I know. I'm tired. Okay. I want lunch. What do you want? I'm hungry. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Live long and prosper. Ah. It'll be nine years before our next Star Trek movie review. (laughs) Yeah, so soak it up. Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Let Me Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Listen. And thanks for listening.